Okay, today's daf is Shvot Af Yotet, page 19, and we're going to start four lines down. Um, two words from the end of the line, Verabi Eliezer. Okay, so what, what's going on here is that we had on the previous page, there was a machloket, there was a dispute between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua regarding a regular korban chata, the regular fixed right, sin offering. Do you have to know the specific sin that you um, had committed, or is it enough just that you committed a sin inadvertently that, if done in, in, intentionally, would have led to a correct? And therefore, I'm certainly going to be obligated a sin offering. So Rabbi Yeshua said, I have to know the exact sin. And that, he learned that from the verse said, Ubah, or it said, Bah, like in it. You have to know, like in it, they know exactly what you did. And Rabbi Elazar had disagreed. He says, as long as I knew I did something. So the case was, he had two pieces of meat in front of you. <coughs> One of them was chaylov. It was forbidden fats. <coughs> Excuse me. One was notar, which is right leftover sacrifice. Either one I can't eat by pain of karate. And I eat one with I'm bishogig. Inadvertently, I don't know which one. Or it was Shabbat and Yom Kippur. Right? They came out adjacent to each other. Our calendar it doesn't allow that to happen. Right, but there were opinions that said you could have Yom Kippur on a Friday or on a Sunday, and I know I was Michal, I did Malacha, I did some forbidden labor. I don't know if it was in Shabbat or Yom Kippur, but I know either one um, um, has curry detached. Can I just ask a quick question? So yeah, I asked sure. a question, which I, uh, Posner, I, I forgot what he answered. So, like, Shabbat and Yom Kippur, it's not Korate and Korate, it's Korate and Chayav Misa B'day Adam. It's a different. Uh, no, yeah, yes, but. Um, by Shabbat is mitah b'day adam. Right. You're asking, but if let's say there's no hatra, ah, you didn't get ah, you didn't yeah, get yeah. warned by witnesses before you did the malacha, so then they can't put you to death yeah, in the yeah, baitin. Yeah. So it's karit then. Right, right, right. You have this in a, in a couple of places where you have something that has both mitah and karit, depending on if you got warning or right, not. Right, right. Yeah, or if you, there was witnesses even. The third case was was a wild the wild case was that there were two women together in yeah. the house. Right, it's one's mom wife. And sister. Right, no, no, but it was sister. not mom. It was a sister and one's wife, but she's a nida, right, right, right. and they right. had right. relations with one of them inadvertently, right. forgetting, I guess, who they were or the status. They don't know which one. Wow, case, but okay, but either way, oh, good morning. There's a there's a chi of curry. So, and he did it inadvertently, so there's going to be a korban chata. So, in those three cases, right, Rabbi Lazar said. You still bring a chat that even though I didn't know, Rabbi Yeshua said basically the word ba, right, you have to know. All you missed was the introduction, guys. So it's on Yud Tet Amid Aleph, four lines down, the two words from the end. So the Gemara now asks Rabbi Eliezer, hi ba, my avid lay. What is he going to do with the verse ba? Because right, Rabbi Yeshua used it to teach to his halacha. So what, Rabbi Eliezer disagrees with the halacha. So what does Rabbi Eliezer do with it? So the Gemara says, prat mit asek. It excludes the case where you sinned based on right preoccupation. Okay? What, what does it mean? You were preoccupied, meaning you didn't even realize the act you were doing. So Rashi gives an example like this. He talks about, for instance, on Shabbat. On, on Shabbat, um, there, I go out to my garden because I, I want a cucumber, okay? So I, there's two vines there, right, with cucumbers on it. Okay, one of the vines is detached from the ground. So cutting off the cucumber from there is fine, right? I'm allowed to do that in Shabbat. The other one is attached. And if I cut off that cucumber, I be mechal Shabbat, right? That's reaping, that's harvesting, okay? And therefore, right, um, I can't do that. So what happens is I, I, I find the vine that is detached, and I take my scissors or whatever, and I, I cut the cucumber, and then I realize somehow I cut the cucumber from the other vine. Like, I thought I was cutting the detached one, and I cut the attached one, right? So that's mitasek. So I did it inadvertently, but nevertheless, there's no korban chatan in that case. Because I didn't even realize that I was doing the act that I, I really was doing. It wasn't just that I didn't realize I was doing a sin. I didn't even mean to do the act, right? Rashi does co- contrast that with um, a case where, let's say, there's only one vine. And there's only one vine, and I think it's... Right, detached. It turns out to be attached. I realize afterwards he says that's not mitasek. Um, it's interesting that Tosfot here on this page, and I think it, they have this argument in, in, a, in more than one place in Shas that Tosfot disagrees. He says even that case is mitasek because I, I didn't think I was doing an act of detachment, and I turned out I was doing an act of detachment. So there is an argument if you have to bring a carbon in that case. Are you allowed to use the cucumber? Um, that's a really great case. Good question. No, it's actually um, considered muksa. 
It's actually considered maksam. I don't have to get rid of it. I can set yeah. it aside and use yeah. it. Yeah. I, I just, uh, okay. I, I don't want to use up so much time, but many years ago, like, I, I, we, we, when I lived in L.A., we had a lemon tree in our backyard. And I remember it was my son, my oldest son, we made a bar mitzvah, and we had um, the, the sudot of our Shabbat in our home. It was a lot of family. And we, we have a quitting lady, but we usually didn't have her come on Shabbat. But my wife said, we're gonna, it's going to work, I'll have her come, she'll help out. So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting at the table, and I look, and on the table, I see these bowls, there's a couple of bowls, and there's lemons in it. And like, I'm sitting like, I'm sure we don't have lemons now. It's like, I don't remember, like, you know. And I go to my wife, I said, did you have lemons on now? And I realized what happened was the cleaning lady, right, she wasn't Jewish, she went out to the backyard, she, she picked in a lemon, and she sliced, cut it up, and put it on the table. I, it, it was very nice of her, right? She was being very helpful. All I said, said, wait a minute, don't touch the lemons. <laughs> you can't use them, because if it, was, if, it was, if, it, if it started on a tree on Shabbat, it, it then has a halacha muksa. Right, you, you can't can use it. it. You what? To, but you can use it. Later. You can use it after Shabbat, but not on Shabbat. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you are benefiting from. Yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is, um, if it was done intentionally by a Jew, then you're not supposed to get any hanah whatsoever, even after exactly. Shabbat. But in this case, after Shabbat, we were able to use it. But anyway, um, Rashi gives another case of mitasik, which is also like it's a another wild case. But um, that you know, again, the case of his wife um, and his sister are together in the same bed, and he goes to have relations with his wife. And somehow his wife sleeps out of the way, and he winds up having relations with his sister. So that's mitasik. I didn't act. I didn't even mean to do that act. Forget about not wanting to sin. Okay? And, there, and therefore, he says you're going to be exempt from a karban. It, it's interesting. Again, Tosva points out, he says that he thinks Rashi here was imprecise that when he was giving his examples, because there's a Gemara in Kritut that says that the exemption of mitasik doesn't apply in a case where you got physical pleasure from the act. In the case of our riot, of the forbidden relationships, the intimate relationship, you certainly got pleasure, and therefore, Tosfut disagrees. He says you would have to bring a carbon in that case. But um, be that as it may, that is what Rebbe Lezer does with that pasuk. Okay, <clears throat> we continue. So just I remind you from yesterday, there was also a makoloka in our Mishnah between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Akiva. Uh, it, actually, in the Mishnah itself, it didn't appear that they were really arguing. Um, if you remember from the beginning of our chapter, and even the last chapter, we spoke about a case of, you know, a person was Tamei, and they entered the Beit HaMikdash. Right? And they did this inadvertently. They didn't mean to sin. So either the case was they forgot that they were Tamei, or they didn't realize they were walking into the Beit HaMikdash. Okay, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva both came along, and in in our Mishnah and said, "Well, it's only you only bring a korban if you forgot you were tamei. But if you, you knew you were tamei and you real and but you didn't realize you're walking into the Beit Hamikdash, he says you're going to be exempt from a korban in that case." And they each quoted a pasuk as to um, as to what. Um, where they get that halacha from, why they say what they do. But it was different pesukim. So the Gemara had asked, you know, is there a practical ramification between the two? And we had two opinions here, right? Chizkiah and Ula, both saying there was. The difference was the Rabbi Elezer held that not only... Um, do you right? Are you going? There's no corb, there's no korban um, in that case. But by by the case when you forgot that you were tamei, it had to be that at one point you were aware of how you became tamei. And Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva says no. It was enough just to know that you became tamei, even if you didn't know exactly what the source was. So that was both Chizki and Ula saying there is a practical ramification between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Lazar. Now we have another opinion. So we are six lines down, I think it is. And Rabbi Yochanan Amar, no, Mishmat Dorshin Ikabinayo. The whole difference is how they expound the verses. That's all. Right? Rabbi Yochanan, in other words, Rabbi Akiva says we learn the Hamacha from this a phrase and Rabbi Lazar from a different phrase, but they really agree. Vikain Amarav Sheshet. And Rabbi Sheshet said the same thing as Rabbi Yochanan. Mishmat the whole uh, difference is just how they expound pesukim, how they expound the verses. There's no practical halachic difference. And he goes on to show, the Gemara goes on to show how Rav Sheshit certainly holds this way. The Rav Sheshit Machlef, the Rabbi Elezer or Rabbi Akiva, sometimes when he was teaching this, he would switch the statement that Rabbi Elezer had said, in the, and he'd say the name of Rabbi Akiva. the Rabbi Akiva, and he would switch the statement that Rabbi Akiva would make, what Rabbi Elezer would say was Rabbi Elezer. He would switch them around. I don't, probably not intentionally, but he was not careful about who said which 
all right, a drasha from which I'm um, phrased to the Pasuk. Because he, why he wasn't careful? Because it really didn't make a difference. At the end of the day, they both say the same thing, halachakui, that, right, you're only going to be liable a korban if you forgot you were Tomei, not if you forgot that you're entering the Beit HaMikdash. Okay. Now the Gemara asks, according to these two opinions, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Kiva, it says that you're not going to be liable if you forgot that it was the Beit HaMikdash and you were Tomei. What about the following? Rava mi Rav Nachman. Rava asked Rav Nachman the question, what if you forgot both? I forgot that I'm Tomei and also didn't realize I'm going to the Beit HaMikdash. What do you say? Maho, what's the halacha? So according to Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Lezer. So Amr Lei, Rava responded, I'm sorry, Rav Nachman responded to Rava, Harei Halam Tuma Biyado. It seems an obvious. Well, at the end of the day, he did forget he was Tamei. That should be enough to trigger the obligation to bring the Karban, the, um, the Karban, the Chatat Olav Yored, right? The variable sin offering, right? Harei Halam Tuma Biyado. V'chayev, he should be liable. So Rava, who had asked the question, says, no, I can make an argument the other way. Adarava. On the contrary, you also forgot that you were, you were entering the Beit HaMikdash, and therefore you should be exempt. What, what, what is he saying? He's saying it's true you forgot you were Tameh, but it could be that if like, he would have realized he was going to the Beit HaMikdash, maybe he would have, right, he would have refrained. Maybe, we don't know that. Maybe he would have refrained. And therefore, the fact that he forgot that he was going into Beit HaMikdash also contributed to this Avera. And therefore, he says that's enough to exempt. That's what Rav says. Back to Rav Nachman. So that's where we're at right now, that in, in the case of both, you're also going to be exempt. It has to be that you only forgot you were Tameh. But Amr Ravashi, Ravashi says, you know what, I have a practical solution to the problem. And um, this, we'll see, is limited. It will only work in certain instances. But in a case where he's still in the Beit HaMikdash, he's already walked in, and he had forgotten both, right? He didn't realize he's in the Beit HaMikdash. He didn't realize he was Tamei. So why don't we do a um, test here? Chazinin, a social experiment on him, right? Okay, Chazinin, let's see. Imituma kaparish. If we see that he will leave the Beit HaMikdash, if he's reminded that he's Tamei, go over to him like, hey, you're Tamei, right? And he said, oh, then he runs out. So then, and obviously, like he realized he was in the Beit HaMikdash, and it was really the forgetfulness of Tuma. And therefore, if he would be liable a Korban. But if you say to him, hey, you know, do you realize you're in the Beit HaMikdash? And then he walks out. So then we see it was Harei Halem, um, Mikdash Biyado. It was obviously he knew he was Tamei, and it was just forgetting he was in the Beit Mikdash, and therefore Rabbi Rabashi says, simple solution. And you're shaking your head. Why? Because it, 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 it makes no sense. The, the whole idea, we said the case is he's both, he doesn't know either. Yeah. It, whichever one I tell him, that's the one he'll go out because right. of. So I exactly. Look, look, look at the next line of the Gemara. Amr Le Ravina Ravashi. Ravina said to Ravashi, he says, wait a second. He says, even if, let's say the case was he really, he really didn't know either, but Kum Parish Mimikdash Olamishim Tuma. The only, if you tell him, hey, you realize you're in the Beit HaMikdash? No, it could be at that point he didn't realize either. But he says, why is this guy telling me, hey, you're in the Beit HaMikdash? Like, I mean, like, it must be because not only am I in the Beit HaMikdash, but I'm also Tomei. <laughs> it's really, in fact, reminding him about both. And Kum Parish Mituma Elamishim Mikdash. And if you go over to him and say, hey, you're Tomei, he say, well, why is he telling me I'm Tomei? Who cares? It must be that I'm in the Beit HaMikdash. So, really, that, this doesn't work. That's exactly your point. That's, and therefore, Ella, rather, the Gemara concludes, Lo Shana, there's no difference, right? There's no difference. And, 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 right? and basically, when he forgot both, right, he's going to be Pator. He's going to be exempt. There's no Karban. The only time you bring a Karban, according to Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Lesser, excuse me, is when he only forgot that he was Tomei. Okay, the Gemara now quotes a Brighter, which is really a fascinating case. Tanu Rabbanim, right? The, the rabbis taught in a Brighter. Shnei Shaviwan. There are two paths. Presumably they both lead to the same basic area. There's two paths you can go to. Echa Tomei v'echa Tahor. One of them, if you walk on, you're going to become Tomei. Rashi explains there is a kever. There is a grave in the middle of the path. There is no way to avoid it. So if you, if you walk on path A, you are definitely Tomei. You have walked over this grave, and there's no question about it. But the other one is fine. The problem is, apparently, like, he, like we didn't know which path has the kever, which has the um, grave, and which doesn't. And what happened? Vahalak Berishon. One guy, right, Reuven here, he takes a stroll down path A. Lo nechnas. 
and he doesn't go into the Beit HaMikdash at this point. He's, at this stage, he's in the Suffolk Tumah, Bishani. Then he goes right down, um, right? He, then he goes down path number two. At this point, he is Vadai Tameh, right? He is, if in certain, there's a certainty that he's Tameh, because either way, either through path A or path B, he became Tameh. <coughs> Excuse me, Benichnas. And he goes into the Beit HaMikdash at that point, Chayef, he's going to be liable the variable sin offering because if, if he did this inadvertently, assumingly, right, he forgot he was Tomei at one point. But in other words, because he, right, even though he doesn't know which path he became Tomei from, but since he went by both, he certainly is Tomei. That seems straightforward. Second case, Halach Barishon. Let's say he went down path A, and then at that point, Vinichnas. And he, like he became aware of his Suffolk Tumah, then he forgot it, and he went into the Beit HaMikdash, and he comes out, and he realizes, you know, he's like what he did. He went in in the case of, of, of doubt, doubtful tumor, and how he wants to purify himself. So when a person is tummy mate, right, he comes in, when he's tummy through coming in contact with a dead body, a kever, a, a, a grave, he has to get sprinkled with the waters, right, that have the para-aduma solution, right, the para-aduma ashes mixed into it, right? So he, he's uh, they sprinkled him. Vashana, and they repeat it, it's two times, right? Basically, from the time you become Tameh, you have to wait at least to day three, and then again, four days later, on day seven, be sprinkled twice. Vitavo, and he went to the mikvah, which is also the, the last part of the process. So he became Tahor, Vi'acharkak, and afterwards, Halach B'Sheni. Now he went on the second path, okay? Vinichnas, and again, he became aware of it, and then he forgot it, and he went to the Beit HaMikdash, Chayev. At that point, he becomes liable to bring a carbon oleoric. Because this is a simple, a, a slightly different case. This is a case he went into the Beit Hamikdash twice, right? It turns out at the end, one of the times he went in, he didn't do anything wrong. One of the times, though, he did something wrong. So, but at this point, since he did it twice, he went down both paths. And each time he went into the Beit Hamikdash, he bevadai certain certainly he has entered the Beit Hamikdash tameh, and therefore. Right, the bright paskins, it rules that he is chayav or he is liable to bring that carbon. So the difference, just to understand the difference, in the first case, right, he went by both paths and then went to the Beit Hamikdash just one time. The second case that one is he's clearly tameh. Yeah, one of them has the right. The second case, he went to he went down path one, went to the Beit Hamikdash. Path two, went to the Beit Hamikdash. So one of the two times he entered the Beit Hamikdash in the state of tumah. So the the bright says it's the same conclusion in both cases he has to bring a carbon, but. Rabbi Shimon, in the second case, Rabbi Shimon Poter, he says you're going to be exempt. Why? Because we've spoken about so many times before that you need an awareness, right? You need an awareness that you were Tameh at one point, and before you, and then you forget you were Tameh, and you enter the Beit HaMikdash. So Rabbi Shimon says that the awareness you had in each case was only awareness of uncertain Tumah. Safek, right? Each time, uh, right, in the second case. In the first case, case it was Bavadai, because I definitely right. went. But in the second case, right. each time I entered the Beit HaMikdash, it was only Bavadai, right? I was in, I was in a, it was a question. Because in the second case also, just to remind you that he was Mitahir himself. He purified himself just in case, in between. So each time it's a Safek. <clears throat> Excuse me. For Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Poter Bechulon. Mishum Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon who comes along, he says in the name of Rabbi Shimon, not only are you exempt in the second case, but even in the first case. Even in the first case where when I entered the Beit HaMikdash, I knew Bavadai in certainty that it was Tamei. The question is why? And the Gemara right away at the two dots right, right, picks up on trying to understand this opinion. Bechulon, by all of them, even in the first case, in the first case, when he entered the Beit HaMikdash, he knew for sure he was Tamei. So the right, he says, Mimonov Shach, right? Either either way, Tomei who? Either way, whether path A or path B had the two money, at the end of the day, he was Tomei when he entered the Beit HaMikdash. So why should it be exempt? So Amr Rava, Rava comes along and he says, you know what? The case is not what it first appears to be. Hacha b'mayaskin, and here what, with what are we dealing with? Kagon, for instance, Shahalach Berishon, he went on path A, Ubisha Shahalach Bisheni, and at the time he went down path B, Shachak Shahak Birishon. He had forgotten that he had got, gone down path A. Right? So in other words, after the fact, right, when he was now going to enter the Beit HaMikdash, all he remembered is that he went down path B. So in his mind, his adyadiya, his awareness was only of a suffix. Now in truth, he had the information to know that he was Bavadai Tameh. 
But he, in his mind, he's only besafek. So the Gemara refers to that the Haviyale Mixat Yadiyah. It's interesting. Later on, the Gemara is going to talk about a safek Yadiyah. This is not a safek Yadiyah. It's a, it's a, it's a Mixat. It's a partial awareness because really he is Bavadai. He's certainly Tamei. It's just in his mind, he's a safek, so it's only partial of what he should know. And it's with that issue that Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehuda argues with the Tanakama as to what was Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Tanakama, the first opinion in the Brayta, who said that you're going to be chayiv in this case, I'm reading Mixat Yedia, Kokol Yedia. We say a partial awareness is equivalent to the whole knowledge, and therefore he's going to be liable. For Rabbi Shimon, right, Savar, and Rabbi Shimon, it's really, um, it's Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehuda in the name of Rabbi Shimon, Holds We don't say a partial knowledge, partial awareness is like the full knowledge. And therefore, in that case, he says you're still going to be pator, you're going to be exempt. Okay, so that's the, what the argument in the first case, a mixat yadiyah. Now, while we're here, the Gemara continues and it goes back and explains case two now. Where he walked down the path of one, he went into the Beit HaMikdash, he's a Vishana, he went through the purification process of sprinkling twice, and with the Paraduma solution and going to the Mikvah, he went back down path B, and then he went back into the Beit HaMikdash. Chayev the Tanakama said that he was. One, t- one of the two times he entered the Beit HaMikdash with, in a state of Tumah, we know that B'vandai now, we know that with certainty, and therefore he's liable the variable uh, sin offering. Rabbi Shimon no poter. Rabbi Shimon says you're going to be exempt. So, <clears throat> and the reason Rabbi Shimon says is because each time he had a Yudia, a knowledge, it was only a knowledge of suffering. And the purification in between is sort of to separate the two. Right. Because everyone agrees, if you walk down path A and you walk down path B, and you don't do any paraduma in between. Yeah. Yeah. And if you remembered both, the, right, then everybody agreed you're certainly with There would be nothing to, to, to discuss. In, in they also talk about it's very good. You have a case of Shnei Shvilam also. It's in, uh, towards the end of the first parak, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I remember it because it's very good. It's, it is quantum entanglement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is quantum yeah. entanglement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lamdut. There's a lot um, yeah. of ink spilled on, on this, um, you know, mm-hmm. sugiyot, right. So the Gemara asks, so now, on the Tanakam, in the first opinion, why would I be liable in this case? This is worse than the, than the first case. In the first case, even the way we, we said where he forgot, at least we know it was, the, what he had the knowledge, he had, he, he had forgotten, but he, ha, he was capable of knowing that he was Tomei. Or should I say that he was Tomei, that he was certainly Tomei. Here, we only knew that he was so fake. So why should that be enough to trigger the karban? So I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan comes along and he teaches us kan asu suffik yadiyah ki That over here, right, we have made the tanayim. It's, um, right, this tana has, has equated, equated, right, a suffik yadiyah, right, a knowledge of being, right, only doubtful, uncertain tuma, as though <clears throat> it was certain, right. That's why, over here, it sounds like the Gemara is later going to pick up on this, it's specifically over here in this case, uh, but not in general. And why should that be? And the Gemara will get to that. For Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish disagrees with Rabbi Elkanen. Reish Lakish would hold that really, in fact, he, he should be um, Pator in this case. Safek Yedia is not enough. It's not enough just to know, you were, you were uncer- to know that you have uncertain tumor. But he says, what's going on here? Amr Ha-Mani, who is the Tana of this Brayta? Rabbi Yishmalhi. It's the opinion of Rabbi Yishmal. Now, you might remember back um, on Yudawad four days ago. That was a long time ago in Dafyomi. Right? The Amr, he said, Lo in He is of the opinion that you don't even need the Yediyah at all, a Bitchiwa, before you entered the Beit HaMikdash. You didn't even need to remember you were Tameh at all. And therefore... Right? Even though it's only a suffix yidiyah, that's fine, because you don't need a yidiyah at all. In other words, what Reish Chalk is saying, really, in fact, suffix yidiyah is not enough. It's not enough to have an un- a knowledge that, you were uncer- that you're uncertain that you may be tummy. Right? That's not enough. But the reason that, it work- that you're high in this case is we're going according to opinion that says you don't need a yidiyah at all. You don't need an awareness at all. If we were going according to those opinions that say you do need a yidiyah, it wouldn't be enough. Rabbi Yochanan, though, says that it would be enough. Um, I just want to um, remind you with Rabbi Yishmael, 
if you remember, he was the one who said in the Mishnah that right, there's a double um, um, there's a double mention of the word vinelam in the parsha. Vinelam is that it became concealed to you. So Rebbe, Rebbe, there was a Tana earlier on. Um, at the beginning of the Masechah that said that that teaches you that it says Nelam twice, Nelam infers it was concealed to you that there had been an awareness it teaches you that you, there had to be two awarenesses one before entering the Beit HaMikdash and one then later Rabbi Shmodo says Vinelam re- being written twice comes to teach you that no, you're liable for both forgetting you were Tameh and also forgetting that you were entering the Beit HaMikdash Rabbi Shmodo came to argue on Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Akiva <coughs> who we started with today that said that you're not going to be liable on forgetting you were going into the Beit HaMikdash. And he said the double expression of Nelam teaches you that. If he uses it for that, he doesn't use it to teach you you need two awarenesses. He holds that you don't need an awareness before entering the Beit HaMikdash. And that's why you're going to be high in this case. <clears throat> anyway, the two dots, the Gemara really continues with the same idea. So we have here Rabbi Yochanan saying that a suffake yidiyah, a knowledge that I may be tummy is enough, Rabbi Yochanan says generally it's not. And the Gemara says, Rami to Rabbi Yochanan and to Rabbi Yochanan. I'm going to ask you a contradiction between two statements of Rabbi Yochanan. For Rami to Rish Lakish and to Rish Lakish, I'm going to ask you a contradiction, two statements of Rish Lakish. A double, a double question. The Tanya, if we learned in a Brita, it says, Achol Suffolk Chaywaf. Let's say I ate a piece of meat fat, and I'm not sure if it's Chaywaf. Chaywaf are the forbidden fats, or Rashi says it's Shuman. Shuman are the fats of an animal that are permitted. Okay? Now, um, the, the chaywev is the fats that go on the mizbeach, or on the altar by a korban. They're basically the fats that cover the kidneys and the intestines. Okay? So you're not sure which fat you ate. Vinodas, <coughs> um, and then you became aware of the fact. Um, you became aware of the fact that you ate something that may be a chaywev. Then, again, safek chaywev. A second time, I ate something that I'm not sure is chaywev. Is forbidden fats, Vinoda. And again, I became aware of it. <clears throat> so the question now is now, I, I just want to remind you that when you commit an act unintentionally, that if done intentionally carries with a karate, you have to bring a korban chata. But what if you write a sin offering? What happens though if you're in Suffolk, if you, if you committed an act in, unintentionally? So you can't bring a korban chata, you have to know for sure that you committed it to bring a sin offering. Rather, you bring an asham tali. Right, Tawi is suspended, and Asham is a guilt offering, right? It suspends any punishment until I, beca- I become aware of what really happened, if I can somehow ascertain that. So <clears throat> the question over here in this case, do I have to bring two Asham Tawais in this case? And we, nobody, we, we mentioned once by Korban Chata, if you do the same Avera twice... You only get one... You know, one Korban Chata, unless you remembered in between. If you remembered in between, that splits it, and then you could, bring, you could have... To, you can bring multiple korban chatot. So here he did remember, but the remembering was only a remembering of safek. So the question is, does that trigger a separate Hashem Talai? Remembering of the safek of whether it was chalev. Exactly. Yeah. So you're doubtful twice. You're doubtful twice. So you're is that two Hashem Talais? In other words, is it the same rule as by chatot when I become aware in between and then I eat it again and then I forget and then I eat another piece? And I have to bring two korban chatot. So it's the same thing over here. I became aware of the safek. Is that enough to trigger like a separate asham tawai obligation? <laughs> so we're going to have a machokin about it, as you would imagine. Okay, <laughs> Rebbe Omer. Rebbe says like this. Kishem shemevi chatat al echad v'yachad. Just like you would bring a chata for each one when you became aware in between. So too, you're going to bring a, a, a separate Hashem Talai for each one. So <clears throat> the Gemara later will, will explain, have a dispute, actually, about what Rebbe means exactly. We'll get to it momentarily. But meanwhile, Rebbe Shimon ben Yehuda, Rebbe Elazar Rebbe Shimon, these two Tanayim, Amru, they said, Mishum Rebbe Shimon, the name of Rebbe Shimon, Enu mevi ela Hashem You only bring one Hashem in this case. Why? Shinamar. The Pesach says, I didn't write down the Pesachim for you this time, I'm sorry. It was Shabbat, and then I had a Hanukkah party, sorry. But anyway, so it says, it, it's in the Parsha, the end of Parsha Vayikra. It's talking about bringing Hashem Talai. And it says over there, you know, you have to bring an, you bring an aisle, a ram for an, this Hashem. And it says, V'chipar HaKohen, the Kohen will atone for you. And it, the, it continues, Al Shigagaso, Al Shigagato, for your inadvertence, Asher Shagag. 
that you inadvertently committed. Kind of a repetitive, right, idea. So what is that teaching you? The Torah is including many shagot, many uncertain shagot, many uncertain inadvertencies with one Ashram Talmud. It's telling you that even though there was a yadiyah, there was awareness in between that you had committed an act that may be, right, a, a um, transgression, you always you still only bring one so Ashram So you're the Ibrit uh, guy. Shigot, so is that your transgressions, or is it transgression? Is it, is, is that a plural, or is that no, a... No, I think it's singular, but it's, but, but the language, Shigot, Ashir Shagag. <coughs> Like, that's a repetitive phrase, Ashir Shagagacha. No, it tells you it's so we inadvertent. we learn out from there that since Two. it's repetitive, that it covers more than more one. More than one. Yeah. That's right. One Ashram Tali for multiple, um, trans- uh, I'm doubtful, transgressions. But also with the Hebrew, I think it's... Oh, a singular. But is singular, right? That's singular. It's no, I'm saying if Shagagacha was plural and it says Ashir Shagag, that's singular. So it looks like one Shagag It's all singular, but it's a double expression, I'm saying. But... I don't know. I do no, not no, think the, you, would, you would still. Oh, because his, the O is going on him. If I say your kosol, if I want to say your cup yeah. or your cups in Hebrew, how, how do you say a plural possessive? What's a plural kosol? Kosol, that's the same, actually. I think. Really? I'm just trying to think. I don't know the rules, I just know what sounds right. But I say. Well, importantly. Kosoto, it doesn't. That doesn't so that's not the base. That, I yeah. thought perhaps it was the because my Ibrit's not so good. I thought perhaps that was the, the reason you learned out. But you're saying it's the repetitive. It's the repetitive. It has nothing to do with the the word. It's not the. Yeah. It's not the. Um, what's the word when you match the the verb with the noun? You know, uh, the, the you conjugate the way you conjugate. It's not conjugating yeah, it's not the conjugating. plural with a singular. Yeah. It's yeah. It, okay. That's I think what, you would say, Shkagot <laughs> Shalal. You would, but I think you would yeah. say Shkagot. Yeah, you could still say that yeah, for plural? Yeah. Okay. As usual, I usually as usual, I a blind yeah, alley. I used to do a lot. If you went to Torah for Das, you know, we're in TikTok. Oh, did we? We weren't allowed to speak Lashon HaKadosh. Are you kidding? We weren't allowed to speak Lashon HaKadosh, right? In spite of that, I learned a little over it. Lashon Yeshivish. Yes, yes. Okay. There was a Rav in LA. He used to say that you go to Yeshiva... Basically, you speak three different languages. You're, you're, you know, you're, there's um, a lack of fluency in three languages. Yeah, you speak right? three not well. Yeah, and English, Flatbush also y- spoke Hebrew perfectly. Yiddish, and Hebrew. Right? <laughs> the kids in Yeshiva Flatbush all came out speaking. It's Hebrew. all a mix. You know, it's one. <laughs> you can't say one. You can't say a full sentence in one language. You know. <laughs> anyway, um, continuing on. Um, so now, getting back to the first opinion here. The first opinion was Rabbi. Rabbi said, "No, just like by Korban Chatat, the awareness splits it up, right, and that you now have to bring separate right sin offerings. So too, by the awareness that you might have uh, transgressed, splits up um, by the Ashim Tole creates right um, multiple Ashim Tole obligations. So we have a machloket about where Rabbi meant." The Amarish Lakish or Shakish says, Kanishana Rebbe. Here Rebbe taught Yudiot Svechot, that a knowledge of an safek, of a of a of a of a of a doubtful transgression, mitkalko is enough to split up the transgressions. For Korbano, for sacrifices. For Rebbe Yochanim, right? And um, why is that? So in other words, Rashi explains like this. That, that what, what, what he was really saying is, just like um, by Corbin, he, he said like this, that a suffix yidiyah, you see, is enough to split up by the Hashem Tali. And the way Rebbe was saying is, it's the way it is by a Corbin Chatat is the same way it is by a Hashem Tali. So which means that Rebbe is really saying that, a, that, a, that even for a Corbin Chatat, for a sin offering, it's enough just to have a suffolk idea, uh, a knowledge that you might have transgressed, even if you don't know for sure, and then if you later become, it becomes for certain that you transgressed, you would bring a karmat. So in the case of the Shnei Shvilin, for instance, the two paths, right, even though it was only a suffolk idea, that would be enough to split it up. Okay? And that's what Rish Lakish is saying. But Rabbi Yochan and Amr, no, that's not what Rabbi meant. What Rabbi, Rabbi was saying like this, Kishem Shi Yediyah, the Vadai, Ba'alma, 
mitchalechet lechatat, just like by karma chatat, which is brought for a certain sin, a, an awareness a, of certain transgression splits it up. So to by Tali, which is brought for a safek, a doubtful transgression, the awareness of the doubtful transgression splits it up. In other words, right, the makloka between Rish Lakshan and Rabbi Yochan is very interesting. What's the comparison between Khata and and Asham Tawai, right? The Rish Lakish here is, I'm saying Rabbi Yochan, in his second opinion, is saying that the, the, um, the comparison is just like by Chata, which is based on Vadai sinning, a vad, you need a Vadai awareness to split it up. So to by Asham Tawai, which is based on Safek sinning, uh, awareness of Safek, of, of doubtful <coughs> transgression, is enough to split it up. That's Rabbi Yochanan. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, right, for a regular Chata, a Safek idea is not enough. But Reish Lakish, right? Reish Lakish was saying that no, he was saying just like by a korban chatat, a suffix yidi is enough to split up the chatat. So too by Hashem Tolei, suffix yidi is enough. So according to Reish Lakish, it comes out that a suffix yidi is enough for korban chatat. Now, if you're paying attention, Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan have have switched <coughs> their opinions from what we said earlier on the page. But a case of Shnei Shvilim, there it was it was Reish Lakish is saying that a suffix yidi right is enough according to Rabbi. Here he's saying it's not enough, okay? And <coughs> right. strange. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah. What's strange is if I remember, it, because it was such a graphic thing. I remember this from Psachim. There, the, the the question was, if I remember correctly, if you went down one shvil, and then you went to a betin or your rav and said, "Do I need to go to uh, uh, purify myself?" Purify. Right? Yeah. The answer is, if it's a safek, you don't. So, it seems that there they're really mekel. They're saying you're not really, you're not you have to be, you, you can consider yourself not tamet. Yeah, and they they even say, they even say there if one person goes down path A, right, and one person goes, goes down path, path B, B, and both they each yeah. independently, if they independently goes, ask the shaiwa, right, right, they're both. If made, they come together, not, then oh, right. right. So. So he, there it seems like if there's even a suffect, we're not treating you as if you're tomato. Yeah. And here it seems like... Right, so this is because we have the added ingredient of going into the Beit HaMikdash over here, which now there could be a korban issue. So um, I'll, I'll, it, it's, it's really, you're asking a good question because the reason over there that we're lenient is because there's a rule that says suffix to ma'bershut harabim. If it's, a, if it's doubtful, pure, uh, there's doubt whether it became impure or not, and it happens in a public area, you're tahor. That's the rule. So the, the question well, is... that has practical implications, That has right? practical implications. Yeah, Rishut Arab. But here you're bringing the, your suffix. So the, the question, yeah, the question here is, though, what, what you're, you're actually raising a good question, is that Shnei Shavilam sounds like a public area, right? So... <laughs> So before you went into the Bet Mikdash, had you gone and asked, yeah. you would have been told, "Don't yeah. worry about it." Yeah. Now I go into the Bet Mikdash. I think so. I have to think about this more because I didn't think about this before you when you, you raise that. But you're right. Um, the Gemara doesn't seem to be going there. So either somehow we're talking about that these paths are in a private area, and therefore it could be possible to to say that, and therefore in a private area, then we are machmer. That could be one, or maybe it's just that the fact that. We have the Beit Hamikdash going into Beit Hamikdash. That complicates it here. Um, you, know, you were going to say something or no? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, I have to think about this more. Okay, but let, let's go on. Meanwhile, we have a double um, contradiction between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. So the Gemara says like this: <coughs> Up to the word Bishlomo. Bishlomo, the Rabbi Yochanan, the Rabbi Yochanan. It's good. The the contradiction of Rabbi Yochanan. Lo kasha. It's not a contradiction. Kan asu. If you remember Rabbi Yochanan's words before, when he said that, right, um, you know, Rabbi Yochanan said that a suffix yidiya, right, knowledge of just an uncertain tumah, was enough, was enough over there. He said the words khan over here, specifically in the case where you became Tameh and you entered the Beit HaMikdash, right? Meaning, hachahu, yeah, he said, I'm going to read that again. Khan also, he made it over here, but Kulatorikul also. 
but not in the rest of Torah. So hachahu, only over here in the case we enter the Beit Hamikdash, the lo kitiva yediyah behedya, because the Torah does not write the word yediyah, that awareness, specifically. It doesn't write it explicitly, I should say. And therefore, it's enough just to have a suffix yediyah. Where do we learn it from? Mi hu. The ka'ati. It comes from the word vanellum. Vanellum, it says, and it was concealed from you, which infers that you need to have had an awareness. But since it didn't say specifically, explicitly in the Torah that you have to have an awareness, it's enough, Rabbi Elkanin says, to have a suffix yadiyah, to have a knowledge that I might have transgressed. But not in the rest of Torah, like in the case we're talking about here of eating chaywev, there, right, also it did not make a suffix yadiyah into a into a in a yediyah. Dichtib, because in general, by a korban chatan, it says, Oh, hoda elav. It was made known to him. Yediyah malyata bi'inen. You need a full fledged knowledge, meaning a yediyah of vadai, that I certainly committed the act. And that's why Rabbi Yochani is not a contradiction. When it comes to Tumah, Suffolk yediyah is enough. In general, though, I need a vadai yediyah. I need a certain knowledge. But Ewa, Horesh Lakish. If you remember, Rish Lakish, now, in this second case, he has said that it is, in fact, um, that Suffolk Yudia is, is enough, even by a regular Korban. <clears throat> if Rish Lakish says it's enough by a, by a regular Korban, why is it before, when we were confronted by a Suffolk Yudia in the Brayta being enough, Rish Lakish said, oh, that's because it's like Rebbe Yishmael. Rebbe Yishmael holds, you don't even need a Yudia at all. In other words, Rish Lakish is saying, Safek Yediyah certainly isn't enough. It's just that we're going like the opinion that says you don't need a Yediyah. So why did Rish Lakish do that? If Rish Lakish really holds that a Safek Yediyah is enough, he could have just said that. He could have said it was Rabbi's opinion, right? Adamukam like a Rabbi Yishmael. And in the, that which he established, the Brayta like Rabbi Yishmael, which is you know, not a usual Amtana of the, of the Brayta, Nukmuk a Rabbi. Instead, say it was Rabbi Yudha Nasi, right? And um, who holds that um, Suffolk Yudhiya is enough? So the Gemara says like this, it concedes the point that Rish Lakish really could have said that. But he says, Hakamash Malan, Rish Lakish decided to teach us something here. The Rebbe Shema, that was what he wanted to teach us, that Rebbe Shema also holds that you don't need a Yudhiya and now awareness before you went to the base of Mikdash. You don't have to have known that you were Tameh. Right, because really, we haven't we have we've, we've mentioned that, but we haven't said that explicitly. Rabbi Shimon never said those words explicitly, and therefore he wanted to teach us that. So the Gemara says, really, he wanted to teach us that. Pshita, we don't need him to teach us that. It's obvious we could have inferred it ourselves. Why? The lo, pshita the lobai. It's obvious he doesn't need a yedia at the beginning. Beginning midalo miatre like cry. He doesn't have an extra pasuk to teach it at vanellam because he uses the extra word vanellam. It was it was concealed from you. The mechayev ahalam mikdash to say that you're going to be liable for even forgetting they're going to make the mikdash. This is what we spoke about before that the other tanaim learned from the double expression of nelam that you need an awareness before. Rabbi Shmuel uses that pasuk to teach you something else, and therefore, of course, Rabbi Yishmael doesn't require an awareness before. So why do we need Rabbi Shmuel to teach you that? We could have came to that conclusion on our own. So the Gemara says, no. What would I have thought? When is it that Rabbi Yishmael does not write, does Rabbi Yishmael not um, say that there's no requirement, meaning of a Yediyah before? Only Mikrah, he doesn't learn it straight from the Pesukim, from the Torah Shebechtah, from the written Torah. Avo mi Gemara. You know, the word Gemara means an oral tradition. But from an oral tradition, Itla, he does hold. In other words, maybe I would have said that Rabbi Shmuel really agrees that you need an awareness before. It's just that he doesn't he doesn't learn it from a Pasuk. He holds it's a halacha of Moshe Misenai. It was an oral tradition given to Moshe at Sinai. And therefore, Kamash Malan comes along with Rishlakish and says that, you know what, Rabbi Shemal has no source, not from the written Torah, not from the oral Torah, that you need a Yediyah B'tchil. So in other words, Rishlakish really could have said up there that Safek Yediyah is enough, and it's going like Rabbi, because he holds it's enough. <clears throat> but he wanted to teach you what Rabbi Shemal held. So that's why he said what he did. comes out that both Rabbi Yochan and Rishlakish hold that a Safek Yediyah is enough by Tumah, 
They argue, though, by a regular Korban Chata, is the Suffolk Yidiyah enough? Rabbi Yochanan says it's not, and Rabbi says it is. Okay, Hadron Alak Yidiyah, Tatumah, Hadron Alak Yidiyah, Tatumah, Hadron Alak Yidiyah, Tatumah. We finished the first two parakim of Shua, which brings us to the third parak. The third parak of Shua begins the discussion about Shavuot. Begins about us. We're now finally on topic. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and this this mission talks about the concept of shvuot bitoi. Shvuot bitoi is an oath of utterance. Basically, by me saying something, I become liable to do something or not do something, etc. So this is the mission begins with really a quote from the Mishnah back on Dapit, the very beginning of the Masechta. It says shvuot shdayim shein arba. There were two shvuot bitoi oaths of utterance mentioned explicitly in the Torah that you're liable for shein arba. There are four, meaning that there's additional two that the Chachamim learned from expounding the verses. So what are they? Shvua Sha'ocho. I make an oath that I will eat. Or Bishalo I make a Shvua that I'm not going to eat. Those are the two that we learned from explicit. It doesn't say those words, by the way, explicitly either. But it says, right, Rashi says, to do bad or to do good. So those are written in future tense. And it's to do something we understand, Chazal understood, to do bad to my body. Not to eat, or to do good, as for my body is to eat. Okay? And then the two that they infer, that they, exp- they get from expounding the verses is, <coughs> I talk about the past. I make sure that I did eat. Right? I say I ate shawant yesterday. Right? Or if or I say I make sure that I didn't eat. Right? So in all four of these cases, if it turned out that I, <coughs> I didn't, you know, I, I, I wind up lying, I'm going to be liable Right, a korban rate again the variable <coughs> sin offering. Continuing on, What if I make an oath that I'm not going to eat? The achol calls you and eat even the most minute amount. I eat a crumb. Now we know normally when the Torah says you can't eat something, right? I'm not going to face liability for eating unless I eat a certain measurement. Right? Usually it's a kezayit. It's a it's a volume of an olive. But in this case, he says even though I eat a crumb, chayev. Different Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva holds, I'm going to be liable for eating a crumb. So, Amr, wow, the Chachamim said to Rabbi Kiva, go Rabbi Kiva, right? Where in the Torah do we find a person who eats just a minute amount, right? And he's going to be liable. Shezechayev, that you're saying this guy over here made the Shavuah, he's going to be liable. Amr, Lahem, Rabbi Kiva. Excuse me. Rabbi Kiva responded, Where do we find B'midaber? Who may be carbon, that somebody can speak, and as a result of his speech, he's going to bring a carbon. Shazem Medaber may be carbon, that this one is, is speaking and he's bringing a carbon. What does that mean? Right? Normally, you know, that when the Torah says don't eat, right? It says don't eat, you know, pork, right? So what eating is defined by the Torah as a kazayat. One will not get the punishment unless they eat the, the, full, um, the full volume, right? But um, the full volume, uh, olive volume, volume. But he says over here, this is not a prohibition that was created by Hakadosh Baruch Right? Hashem didn't right tell us this. We created ourselves. We made a shul. It was through our debor, through our speech. Right? So he says, what is a person thinking when they say, "I'm not going to eat"? They're thinking not a kizayat. That was Hashem's way of thinking. Right? We think even a kol even the most minute amount. And therefore, what Rabbi Kiva is saying, this is different because I created this myself. You know, it's amazing what you see from the concept of a shvua is really right the koach hadibor. We see right the power that a person's speech has. I could create a new prohibition for myself, right? That's, that's more stringent than if it came. That's more stringent than, than Hashem's words, right? Exactly. That's what comes out, right? So um, that that's the, you know the musar haskel. That's what the, the lesson that you can learn from from shvuot really is, is that idea. Um, I just want to, just so nobody gets the wrong idea, is that, you know, when the Torah says don't eat pork, right, it's, it means don't eat a kezayat. But the truth of the matter is, we paskin, according to halacha, that it's asor, it's forbidden to eat even what we call chatzishir, even the smallest amount, right? So don't go home now and say, okay, I'm going to eat a, you know, <laughs> I'll try a little piece of pork, you know, I won't eat a kezayat. We, we don't do that. There's just no punishment for eating less. There's no, right, you're not subject to the punishment of the Torah unless one eats a kezayat. They should even eat a little bit. Okay, let's, um, let's continue. We still have some time. So the Gemara picks up on this case. When a person said, one of the cases given was shvush ocho. I make a shvush I'm going to eat. And it contrasts that in a mission. It, it's actually one of the two extra cases. It's one of the two cases we say are explicit from the Torah. One is shvush that I will eat. One is shvush that I won't eat. Okay? 
So the two separate cases. So obviously, they mean two different things. And obviously, when I say shvush ocha, means I'm making a shvush, I will eat. Because if it meant, because see, there's another way of interpreting those words. You could say shvush, I'm making an oath on shvush, anything I eat. Meaning, anything I eat is forbidden to me by, by a shvush, by an oath. <coughs> you could interpret it, it that way. But it can't mean that in our Mishnah because then it would be the same as the next case. Shvush ocha. A shuvah I'm not eating. If they both men, I'm not going to eat. And therefore, it's obvious in our mission that the, from the fact that they're separate cases in, that the Torah listed, shuvah she'ocha means I'm making a shuvah I will eat. So the Gemara asks on this, though, remember, are you telling me to she'ocha that when I say shuvah I will eat, the achil no mashma, it infers I will in fact eat? Remini, I'll ask you a contradiction from a brighter. This brighter appears in the Dharm, and it says shuvah lo'ocha. If I make a shuvah, I'm not going to eat. I'm sorry, lo'ocha lach. I'm not going to eat from your food, right? I'm angry at you. So I said, you know, you know I'm making a shvua that I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I'm not going to eat your food anymore. Or shvua she'ocha lecha. Or I make a shvua on the food that I'm going to eat from you. Or lo shvua she'ocha lecha. Or I say, it's, it's not under oath what I won't eat from you, which infers what I will eat from you is forbidden by shvua. Okay, weird way of saying it, but I saw all these cases, it's forbidden for me to eat your food. So what do we see? When I say even the second case, was I'm saying it's a shvua of, it's, it's forbidden by shvua what I will eat from you. Basically, I'm saying I'm not going to eat. In our mission, we say shvua she'ocha meant I'm making sure what I will eat. So how, how do we um, know which is which? So Amar Abayah, Abayah says like this, we really in general, when I say shvua she'ocha, it means that I will in fact eat. And it's not a contradiction. In one of these cases, we're talking about where they were pressuring to eat. And here, in the other case, is removed to Chaf. They're not being pressured to eat. And he goes on to explain. Our Mishnah. He wasn't being pressured. It was just a normal case. And he just said, So then we take it at face value. It's a Shavua that he will, in fact, eat. He must eat. Brighter, the, but the brighter we quoted, they were pressuring him, come on, eat, 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 eat. And he was getting tired of it. But Kamar, he kept saying, I'm not going to eat, I'm going to eat. And then he finally got fed up that he made a shvua, the kikam mishtaba, when he made a shvua, this is what he was saying, shvua shalom He's making, I'm making a shvua that I'm not going to eat. Right? It was queer that he doesn't want to eat. So, but he said it, shvua shalom a shvua that I'm going to eat. Meaning, but what he meant by that was not that I'm going to eat, but anything I eat will be banned to me, will be forbidden to me by Yeshua. So in other words, it depends on the, the context. You need context to understand what he said. Okay, Ravashi, Amrita Ravashi gives a different answer. He says, to me, you know what, you, you, to make it easier, you could teach into the bright to put an extra word in there. Whenever you put in the word E, before something, it negates what we're saying. He's basically saying Yeshua, that I'm not going to eat. That's what he was saying. So the Gemara says, well, if you're going to say that's what he meant, if so, what is the chidush? What is the, you know, as obviously, like that's the same as the other case, right? Like you're saying the same thing. What is it teaching you? So he says, no, what would I have thought? It, it, it just, he, it was a language that literally he, um, he's, he, he, um, he, he made a mistake with. He didn't mean to say. You know, a person speaking something, ah, 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 right? So it could, that could come out as e. It could be he meant to say, right? And then, oh, he said, e. But he didn't mean to say, she. So maybe I would have said that he's really making a shvua to eat, and therefore, kamash malan, the bright is coming to teach us that when he says, she, we take it at face value that he meant to negate what he said before. Okay, we'll stop here. Yeah.